Welcome to Semper Christus. I'm Brandon, and I am joined, as always, in his parents' basement, the Reformed Rapscallion. Wow, what an entrance. Josh. <laughs> Josh Friend. <laughs> yeah. He's my friend. He's yeah. never heard that joke before. No, I have not. So we're gonna we're gonna start out like we normally well normally it's relatively new with some news. Um, it's gonna be pretty much only bad news today. Yeah. Well, bad news and disappointing news. Well, we got some personal good news. True today. It's true. We'll end with that. Yeah. Yes. Good. Um, Todd White, who we talked about a couple eps ago, mm-hmm. uh, he he came out and said he repented of not preaching the full gospel. Yep. For nearly 16 years, he was doing that. Maybe not 16, but it was quite a while. No, I think it was 16 or 18. Nearly, nearly 16 years, he was yeah. preaching. I'm not even going to say part of the gospel. I'm going to say a false gospel. Mm-hmm. About the gospel without the law is not the gospel. Right. Um, and people, they were, we, we, we were excited. People were, um, Justin Peters had a video. He said, I, I'm excited to hear this. There are a couple things that I'm a little concerned about. I recommend watching his video. Um, and then Todd came out again with another sermon, and he said um, that pe- he was upset that people were only excited now because now he was reading the right people. And then he said all this time he had been watching, all this time, like for the past so many years, he'd been watching Ray Comfort and reading Charles Spurgeon, but that doesn't add up because you can't. You can't listen to Ray Comfort and mm-hmm. read Charles Spurgeon and then go and preach a gospel that's contrary to everything they said. Right. So my hope is that he just got overly defensive um, mm-hmm. about people um, being excited but still having critiques. Uh, I, I pray that he's just overly defensive about it, but I, I listened to – Everything but like the last 10 minutes of the sermon. So unless he said something in the last 10 minutes that completely contradicts everything I've just said. <laughs> yeah. Um, he, he's, he seems to still be in relatively the same boat he already was. Yeah. Preaching a, well, preaching, um, preaching a more of a motivational speech, mm-hmm. uh, bouncing around the Bible, not, not picking a, a chapter to exegete. Yeah. I think, I think the biggest problem that I had was, okay, yeah, you can say you've been reading Spurgeon and you've been reading Comfort for a long time, but to quote Spurgeon, Whitfield, and Ray Comfort and to use their analogies and what words that they would use in one sermon after not using them for 16, 18, 20 years, however long he says he's been a Christian, mm-hmm. I I find super hard. Plus to come out on that um, sermon and say, well, I shouldn't say sermon, but I right his uh, his speech, like coming out and saying it on that speech, and he says, I feel like I haven't preached a whole gospel. I've I need to repent for this stuff. Those are all biblical words that we as Christians use, and to mm-hmm. say. You haven't been doing it. And then to quote those three men, if it seemed like he was definitely turning his life around, at least. And maybe he's still in the process. Right, right. Uh, that's my prayer. Mm-hmm. And he keeps going. And it's not like another 
I don't want his coming out about it to be like Benny Hinn a couple months ago where he said he will never ask for money again. And then a week later he was asking for money. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I have hope for Todd still, mm-hmm. um, but last time as it was excited hope, now it's more of just a cautious, a cautious, relatively solemn hope. Yeah. I pray that God, I, I pray that God continues to work in his heart as it seems like he is. Mm-hmm. Because coming out and saying that he hasn't preached the full gospel does take a lot, especially for a man in his position, because mm-hmm. that could have caused a lot of people to fall away from him or all that good stuff. Yeah. So it still takes courage to do that. However, I think if you've gone 16 years preaching a false gospel, I think it, it would be safe to say that maybe during those 16 years, you didn't understand the gospel. Right, and that maybe now you should, and I, I don't want to. I'm like I'm 20 years old. I don't know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. I, I, <laughs> I I don't have any authority. Is what I'm saying. I do know what I'm talking about. I just don't have any authority. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe step back and get properly trained. Right, that's one before of before being a leader, or yeah. an elder. That's what one of the podcasts I listened to. They suggested that he step down if he tr- if he truly is repentant and does not believe. I mean, he's not he's not a qualified teacher. Unqualified. Yeah, he's as John, John MacArthur, Man. about thirty. Yeah, um, futon thirty. <laughs> yeah, he's unqualified to be a teacher of God's truth. So he needs to step down. If he was truly repentant, he would. Talking about MacArthur, though. Let's transition to our second what a segue. Yeah, it's talking. Uh, he, John MacArthur, in his, he's been going back and forth with California, mm-hmm. and they, um, California, I believe it's the governor, told John MacArthur he needs to shut down. They are threatening to shut off the power and to do other stuff, take legal action. I believe they they might be suing him as well. I know there's a there's legal lawsuits that are happening against um, Grace Community Church. He might do jail time. Mm. That's what I've heard. Um, but I mean, in the sad news of the world coming against Christianity, you have John MacArthur and the elders and Christians at Grace Community Church consistently. Getting gathering together and following our Lord's commands to not forsake the gathering of the brothers, mm-hmm. and then, uh, yeah. And I just loved. Have you heard his opening statement? Yeah, I'm actually gonna play it. Yeah, I was hoping so. I um, was thinking about playing it, but yeah, he was. Uh, he definitely had, and it was it was tongue in cheek, and it was mm-hmm. really funny, um, but. Remember, this was a decision that was made not just by him, right? But the elders at Grace Community Church, and yeah, they did it obviously in defiance, but they did it with love. I found it. So here we go, John MacArthur. John MacArthur on the, I think it's the first Sunday that they were completely back, yeah. especially after the governor told them that they that they were taking legal action against them. So here goes uh, John MacArthur. Good morning, everyone. I'm so happy to welcome you to the uh, Grace Community Church Peaceful Protest. (laughs) 
Oh, my boy, Johnny. I love – and I love the applause after. It's because mm-hmm. they know what they're doing there. They're right. worshiping God. Mm-hmm. And, and they're peaceful. Yeah, and they're protesting. I mean, it, it's – We're called Protestants for a reason, aren't we? Yeah, yes, sir. But, yeah, it's – God, we can see, is working through this church. And I, there are other California churches that are standing up mm-hmm. to the governor. I have heard of one that is standing up against the governor, and I believe they're getting shut down as well. But we still have strong Christians and brothers in California, believe and it or not. Not to mention, yeah. <laughs> and not to mention, like, the smaller churches that have no have no media presence that right probably have been shut down right and there might already be pastors who are being fined mm-hmm. that no one's going to talk about nope because their congregation is like under 200 or something yeah. like that yeah um, i'm i'm very thankful for churches like grace community church in california and apologia church in arizona who never closed down nope they didn't they close kept down. going and there's also a church in iowa okay um, I don't know where it was, but they shut down or no, they didn't shut down, but they had, they had the governor calling the pastor saying, can you please shut down? You know, we have this problem. And the pastor said he, he never shut down. And I, he, his story came out a couple months ago and he said, I'm not shutting down because I mean, during this pandemic where we have sick people mm-hmm. and those sick people need open hospitals. Yes. But where are you going to shut down? Where are you going to go when your spiritual sickness, when you're spiritually sick? Mm-hmm. People go to churches for that. Correct. I'm not saying that every church needed to stay open. Right. I'm saying that it's good that some did. Yes. We're not trying to say that those churches are better than the ones that shut down. Right. Because every decision... I mean, if we believe in a sovereign God who, you know, the hearts of man are like channels of water in his hands, he he leads where they go. Mm-hmm. That even the churches that shut down were based on his sovereignty. Right. And that means it was the best thing for that church to do for reasons that we may never know. Right. Yep. So that's the sad news. And in... on the bright side, this pandemic kept churches, you know, like where Kevin not Kevin, Kenneth Copeland preaches. They yeah. shut down. They yeah. were gathering. Did you, hear the, shut did down. you hear his sermon? Was, yeah. There, oh, at the beginning. There was like three people there. It was real sketch. Oh yeah. It was funny. We should, man, one of these days we should talk about false teachers, heretics. That's, yeah, I'm fine with that. Blasphemers, so. if you will. Mm-hmm. So transitioning into better news, better news. Yeah. I am going to be seeking membership at my church officially yes which i believe everyone as a christian yeah should seek church membership whether it be in a church that you i mean you're never going to completely agree with every right thing That's in every poss- church it's really not possible no and if you do you're probably suppressing feelings about something yeah but you i mean a church cannot act like a church if no one's a member right because, I mean, our church, our soon-to-be church, or your soon-to-be church, right. it, it has laws, or not laws, but it has um, hoops you have to jump through in order to get teaching our children's ministry. So we're not allowing dangerous people to be with the kids. Right. So, I mean, just for that reason alone, just for safety, 
I think it's a good idea to be a church member. Now, you have church discipline. Mm-hmm. It's hard to discipline someone who's not yeah. part of the church. Yeah. And you 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 have the Lord's Supper, you have baptism, you have any kind of have to keep track of the sacraments if you yeah, will the sacraments the ordinances but yeah so uh you have that good news i have good news too i'm starting seminary soon congrats yeah it's in it's in five days i would days. clap for you but i'm a baptist yeah that's right now you are were you before would you consider yourself a baptist sure okay well yeah i would consider myself more of a presbyterian but i i don't do the infant baptism <laughs> i mean i'm I'm a biblicist, so mm, I'm a Reformed Baptist. <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely claim Reformed Baptist. You know what? You know what Spurgeon was? I'm that. He's that. I'm that. Oh yeah, I'm whatever. What he was. Like, I'm I'm whatever the Apostle Paul was. You're you're a, you're a Messianic Jew. That's right. At heart. It's, it's no, I'm not really too. that heart. Yeah, heart mm-hmm. circumcision. Yeah, heart circumcision. Yeah, your yeah. heart. That's good. All right, so getting into something a little more serious. So we have done total depravity. We changed that to radical corruption. Right. We've done unconditional election, which which we have turned into sovereign election. Right. We have done irresistible grace, which we turned. Whoa! What happened to limited atonement? We done limited <laughs> atonement, which we turned to definite atonement. Yes. We've done. Un- I'm not good at spelling. We've done unconditional life. Irresistible grace. Ah! <laughs> we've done irresistible grace, which right. we've turned I'm doing into recaps right grace. Now. I'm doing recaps from now on. So, okay. Say say the I again. Irresistible grace, irresistible which is... Grace. Uh, <laughs> efficacious grace. Efficacious grace. What did you say? Effective? Effectual. Effectual. Same thing. Yes. And now we're on P. Perseverance, Perseverance of, of the, the saint. saint. Which obviously means... That a Christian must work for their salvation, True. Right? right? True. Yeah? No. No? Definitely not. Okay. What do no. you, well, then give me a definition, man. The definition of perseverance of the saints. Like, is, there, is there a better word yes. you can use? Like with all the other letters, yes. I'm going to change uh, the word. Okay. However, I think this is the only one that's going to not change the letter because it's preservation of the saints. Okay. So it's still P, but it's no longer a tulip. Because we've changed everything else. So you're so you're you're basically starting your own thing with preservation. Like no one has ever thought of this before. Exactly. Um, I am. I'm gonna. I'm starting my own religion okay. right now. Um, Brandonism. Yeah. Uh, Brandianity. Brandianity. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, no. So R.C. Sproul preferred to call it preservation of the saints because, as Christians, well, most Christians. Yeah. know that we can't work for our salvation. Well, I'd so say we, all Christians know we can't work for our right. salvation. All, certainly all Protestants. There are people who would call themselves Christians. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Protestants for sure know that we cannot gain our salvation by working through it. And right. perseverance for some people who don't understand the doctrine of perseverance of the saints. Mm-hmm can easily turn that into, well, you believe in a workspace salvation because you must persevere. Now, perseverance of the saints is God's promise to us that we will persevere, that he will preserve us to the end. Right. He who began a good work in you is able to complete it. We'll see it to completion. Oh, well, okay. That's KJV, though. Whatever. 
I mean, yeah. I was raised KJV only. I am using the JSV, the Joshua standard version. The, the paraphrase? The paraphrase, yes. That's dangerous. That's the, well, it's the, more like the Joshua memorized version. I got, I have, I have NIV, a bit of KJV, and some ESV stuck in my brain. So I come up with my own translation. One of these days, you and I will be doing the Greek. Yeah. Yes. Someday soon, because Greek one's coming up. Good luck. Yeah. That's going to be, well, I mean, you're going to be taking it sooner or later. Yeah. Next, next year. Next year, probably. Yeah. Uh So, uh, you'll be able to help me with my Greek. Of course. If you're good at it. If you're not, I'm going somewhere I else. will be good we'll, at it. We'll, we'll be able to just, whenever we're, gonna be, we're having a conversation, we, yeah, we just know what switch we're saying, into it. switch to Greek. <laughs> I like it. It'll be great. Okay, yeah. so. I, th- I, th- I think I gave the definition of perseverance of the saints. Yeah, I yeah. think that's a, or preservation of the saints. I think that's a good. We will persevere because God will preserve. Right. And perseverance gives you the idea of sanctification. Because sanctification is indeed a process. So would you say, I actually um, heard this on a podcast. Would you say that sanctification is a monergistic work? A So we believe that salvation is a monergistic work. Yes. Would you, and by monergistic, we mean that there is one will, God's will, completing salvation in us. Mm-hmm. Would you say self, self, uh, sanctification? sanctification is a monergistic work or what's the other one? Synergistic. Synergistic I, is I th- two wills. I, I think it would still be monergistic. Yes. Because God had transformed our will. Right. To now want his will. Right. So our will, to an extent, obviously we don't have the mind of God, but our will is now in a, alignment with God's will. Yes. Uh, I think that's it. Okay. I, there was something yeah. else I was going to say, but it no, was yeah. not have been important. Yeah, that's that's definitely what they said. They said, you know, it, it's funny because I don't think they'd agree with the people, the podcast I listened to. They said that they wouldn't agree with a few of the other letters, mm-hmm. but they def- definitely agreed with uh, Preservation of the Saints. And, and they most said, people do. Yeah, as most people do. And they said that it is a monergistic work because of the verse you just quoted, which was... He who... I don't know the reference. Okay. I'm really good at lines, but not Don't, yeah, quote it. Do you know? He who began a w- good work in you will see it to completion. Okay, yeah. I think that's two different versions mixed up. So would you say it's once saved, always saved? No. No. If saved, then saved. Okay. If you're saved, you're saved. Right, yeah. And this is... Granted, it happened at one time. Yeah. But once saved, always saved... I don't like the way it sounds. No, yeah, it sounds it, silly. It's it's yeah, it's not biblical terminology. Right. If you're saved, then you're saved. Right. And that's yeah, that's something definitely. So I've heard that as Calvinists, we believe in works-based salvation because of pres- pre- uh, perseverance. perseverance of the saints, because we need a work to complete our salvation. Like the mm-hmm. well, to the people who would say that. I, I could make the argument probably easier that they believe in a work-based salvation because they right. must maintain their salvation. Right. Um, and we, we believe that through sanctification being monergistic and not synergistic, it's like when an artisan is making, is like, like let's say a glass blower. You got glass. The glass cannot make itself into an ornament. The glass blower must heat it up, put it in the fire, and then work it himself to what he desires and then once the final outcome is complete 
then it's it's done because of the glass worker because of the artisan the glass by itself cannot cannot become an ornament it it cannot work itself into what it needs to be it takes the, the glass blower or when it comes to sanctification it, it's up to god to mold us he is the potter we are the clay mm-hmm. clay doesn't become a pot unless the potter makes it a pot right and how about so in philippians 2 12 it says therefore my beloved as you have always obeyed so now not only as in my presence but much more in my absence work out your own salvation with fear and trembling and if you stop there it's like okay yeah that's a definite passage that talks about working out your own salvation but the thing is is that there is a context and the context continues Whoa. with no, 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 no context needed. <laughs> Proof text only. Yes. So it's a, it says, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So yeah, like you were saying, it's it's not you work out what you can't work out because it's not in your power right. to do so. It's God working through you. Mm-hmm. To quote the song, yet not I, but through Christ in me. Mm-hmm. Or Paul, I can't think of the reference again. And I know that's going to come back to bite <laughs> me in the butt sooner or later. Um, but Jesus, not Jesus, goodness gracious, <laughs> Paul says, it's not, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Mm-hmm. So even though we are, are the ones who have to put through effort in a way, it's Christ doing it through us. Right. In him, we, in him, we have our being, we live and breathe. He's, mm. he's the one preserving us. Yeah, in the same way that he sustains the universe. If he if he stopped sustaining the universe, it would disappear. Right. He sustains us. So Galatians two twenty is the passage you're talking about. For Galatians. I have been Christ. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave Himself for me. Mm. Amen. Yeah. So we have in Calvinism. One, I'd say the hardest text that goes against Calvinism for um, perseverance of the saints. But I guess I guess I should stop saying Calvinism because it is strictly it's not strictly a Calvinistic belief, but it is Calvinism. That's is the only one that makes sense because you you can choose your salvation. You can choose to get out of it. But then there's people that believe if you choose your salvation. You can't choose to. Yeah, there are people who have told me that, who believe in autonomous free will, not creaturely free will, but autonomous free will, that you choose God, but once he's got you, you're his prisoner, basically. Mm -hmm. But even if you wanted to leave, you couldn't. You could spend the rest of your life, like God will will drag you kicking and screaming into the kingdom. That's that's so weird. They've lost the debate on free will at that point. Yeah, because it's it's exactly against... The arguments that they've used so far, like mm-hmm. the love one that says, well, love wouldn't force me to do anything. Well, that's exactly what this right. is And I don't think about. that's a super common. Uh, I guess it is. There's a lot of, um, pardon my, you know, my word choice, but there's a lot of indie fundies who believe once saved, always saved. Right. But they also believe you chose God and that we have free will. Mm-hmm. But as we've said, they, they believe that you can't get out. So at, at what point I, I'm addressing you guys who are listening who might disagree with us 
Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all, thank you for listening. Yeah, thank you. Uh, we love that you're here. We love the fact that you're listening. Um, please don't assume that we're going to hell just because we agree <laughs> with something that you don't agree with. Right. Um, at what point does your free will stop being free will? Mm-hmm. And why are you okay with that? Right. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a problem because like to me the only people that are consistent are calvinists and then what was it universalist universalist wow yeah i knew it started with you but it's like you either i mean universal studios no for sure you're gonna get sued now (laughs) i don't know yeah you might (laughs) so i might yeah well that's not me man that was all you so um what was I saying before now? Okay, yeah. So the consistent people. Because you have you either have you have people that say you can't choose God, but God chooses you first mm-hmm. and God preserves you. Yes. You have the group that says God God chose you, but then doesn't preserve you. Right. Which is incredibly non like inconsistent. Then you have the group right. that says you can choose God. And then God chooses you because God chooses you. You can't, can't unchoose un-choose God, which I believe is still inconsistent. Because well, they have they have to wrestle with certain passages, like mm-hmm. when Jesus says, "You can't get plucked from my Father's hand." Right. Which don't just take that verse out of context, mm-hmm. like I just did. But there are passages like that, right? That says that you can't. So they have they have to be inconsistent in their argument. Mm-hmm. However, you said there there's passages that are difficult for some right Calvinists. So let's turn to Hebrews four because I think four. You want this is the it? passage. Yeah, this is the passage that I had the hardest time coming to Calvinism over as far as perseverance of the saints. Like I said before, I was grew up in a non denom non denominational church, and I did not have a consistent theology. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know what the word theology meant. But I still, I, I, I read my Bible, but I didn't dig into God's word and I didn't try to know about him. Verse six. Uh, first, it's chapter six, verse four, I believe. Chapter six, verse four. Yes. What did I say? It's, I think it's. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Okay. Hebrews six. And I'm going to, I'm going to start at verse one because I like context. I love context. I believe that's a Calvinist. I think that's a Calvinist thing. Yeah. It's a Calvinist thing. And it's like their biggest. Or at least a reformed thing, because I would still consider most Lutherans reformed. Was it no. to an extent? No, I'd consider them partial Calvinist. Reformed is a whole different branch. Fair enough. Okay. Hebrews six, starting in verse one. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God. And of instruction about washings, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and the eternal judgment. First of all, he considers all that elementary, which yeah. is hilarious, hilarious to me because some of that stuff, I think, is deep. Yeah. Uh, verse 3. What just happened? <laughs> and this we will do if God permits. For it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, and have shared in the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come, and then have fallen away, to restore them again to repentance, since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him up to contempt. 
for land that has drunk the rain that often falls on it and produces a crop useful to those for whose sake it is cultivated receives a blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless and near to being cursed, and its end is to be burned. Josh, that, that passage is a problem, isn't it? I uh, guess we should just pack it up and go join an indie funny church. <laughs> well, no, because that's the ex- exact opposite of what an indie funny says. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> Momentary pause. We got to, uh, yeah. So, so this part, especially verses four and four through six, I believe, for it is impossible in the case of those who have been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come. And they have fallen away to restore them again to repentance since they are crucifying once again, the son of God to their own harm and holding him up to contempt. So what's your, let, let's draw some comparisons. Because not only, Josh, is it sola scriptura, mm-hmm. it is tota scriptura. Right. The lens through which we read scripture is scripture itself. Right. Not just 316. Right. Yep. <laughs> not just 316. Yes. I didn't have to say John 316. No. Because everybody knows what I'm talking about. Yep. Tota 316. Yeah. Um, who, are the, who are the people who crucified Christ? The like Jews. In, like in Hebrews, let's be specific. Uh, oh boy, the Pharisees, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Okay, yeah. I think it's interesting that the author of Hebrews brought that point up. They're re-crucifying Christ. Mm. I think that would make people think, "Oh, the Pharisees are the ones who crucified Christ." Right. What did the Pharisees and Sadducees do that disqualified them? He rejected Christ. Yes, they committed the unpardonable sin. Okay. To ascribe to the Holy to ascribe to the Holy Spirit uh, works of the devil, or scratch that, reverse that. They they believed that what Jesus was doing was straight up demonic. Right. Those those men. Right. The Pharisees and the Sadducees had been enlightened. Mm-hmm. They saw Christ. They believed what he was doing was true. And even before, they, they it was pretty clear that they were like, "This guy is the Messiah." Right. But we can't let that happen. Right. I remember one passage says like the reason why they didn't is like the we can't let this guy go on because he's doing all these miracles and the people are following him, but they're doing it and we'll lose our power. Exactly. So these these Pharisees and Sadducees were firsthand people right. who watched constantly watched Christ, who were enlightened and they saw the heavenly gift. They saw God incarnate and they knew who he was. Mm-hmm. They believed in Christ. Wouldn't that mean that they were saved? No, that's not how it works. No, because even in John six, like we saw a few—I forget which episode it was—but we saw in John six that the people went there and they said they believed. Yeah, but they believed because he gave them food. Right, and so the believing, and then at the end of the passage, you have no one believing. Right, and then twelve disciples that are confused and i i could i i think the argument could be made that the pharisees and the sadducees believed even more than those people because hmm. they were like no he's the messiah so do it's you clear so you think this passage is strictly talking about the pharisees or do no, you no, think no. it's anybody I, that ascribes anybody who commits the unpardonable sin okay because in hebrews it's you know let me read it mm-hmm. uh do 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 you get a little interest in 
and then have interlude music, and then have fallen away. Whoops. For it, for, I'm going to start in four. For it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance. Since they are crucifying once again the son of God hmm. to their own harm for holding him up, for holding him up to contempt. That sounds... I'm going, to st- I'm going to start. We're going to go through verse 4. For it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened. The Pharisees were enlightened. They watched. So are you saying this passage is talking about anybody in the church that sees Christ working and Christ mm-hmm. and the Spirit working? Yeah. And then who have tasted, obviously they've tasted of the elements who have tasted of the heavenly gift not necessarily i'm not saying heavenly gifts equals elements but i'm saying they've tasted of communion they've been baptized they've been a part of that Mm -hmm. and have tasted of the goodness of the word of god and the powers of the age to come they were there when they saw his miracles Mm -hmm. they saw the goodness of the word of god and jesus is the word incarnate so okay so you're saying it's and then have fallen away okay the pharisees were there they were part of the crowd they believed he was the Messiah, but they they fell back. Okay, that makes sense. To restore, It's impossible to restore them to repentance. What is the only sin that Jesus said is impardonable? Repent. Yeah. That one. Yep. So this sin here that's being committed of this falling away who have tasted, mm-hmm. it, it can't just be any sin. Because mm-hmm. it, that's the only sin that's impar- unpardonable. Since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him to contempt. Right. The Pharisees held him to contempt. They saw him as the, the Messiah. They knew he, who he was. But they treated him like a rebel. They held him in com- contempt. So just like how I believe when Jesus was talking in Matthew 24, that there was an immediate outcome in 70 AD. Mm-hmm. But there's also future application. I think here he's talking, he's using the Pharisees that already happened. Mm-hmm. They were there. They did all this stuff. And he's using them as an example. Right. Like how in the Old Testament, God uses Babylon as an example of wicked kingdoms. Mm-hmm. And I think even verse 7 and 8 make it pretty clear that these people were not ever safe to begin with for mm-hmm. land that um, for land that has drunk the uh, drunk the rain that often falls on it and produces a crop useful to the uh, to those who whose sake it is cultivated receives a blessing from God but if it bears thorns and thistles it is worthless and near to being cursed and its end is to be burned so the thing is is that the seeds are already planted and the ground has already been um watered produced yeah it's been not produced but it's been readied for harvest and when the rain comes when the spiritual blessings come it produces thorns exactly it's never a salvific thing they were never saved to begin with it's like the um parable and i want to get your feedback on this the parable of in matthew 13 that talks about the seeds and the sowers and they go out to sow and they throw it and it lands on, Oh boy, rocks. It lands on good soil. It thistles lands. Yeah. With and thistles hard and hard ground. What? 
That's four. Four. Okay. Yeah. So what would you say to that passage? What if we just read it? That's not a bad idea because then I wouldn't have to go around memorizing yeah. what exactly it is. The parable of the sower. Matthew 13, verse 1. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let them hear. So, that passage... Wow, I turned to Matthew 6. Okay. That's why I, I was like, where is he? In this I'm going to skip a, a little bit, because okay. he's just talking about why he speaks in parables. Right. This is... Who, who better to exegete his own parable than Jesus himself? Right. The parable of the sower explained. Matthew 13, verse 18. Here then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of the riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case, a hundredfold, and another sixty, and another thirty. Hmm. That's incredible. Yes. So, the, there's only one that actually bears good food. Yeah, and, even the one that had roots. Right. There were no fruit. Right. So, I don't believe this passage is a good one to teach. You can fall away. Because... Agreed. There's not one that has fallen away that the sower did not know. Right. And let me let me explain as someone who is a farmer. And in this context, this is a book that was written by a Jew about the Jewish Messiah to Jewish people. To go back to what I was saying about the, uh, the parable, a farmer knows what he's doing especially in this context where their life depends on it mm -hmm. um he's th this is what i would compare to the general call and the effectual call like we already talked mm -hmm. he's throwing the seeds everywhere okay but the only place where it bears fruit is the good soil and anyone who's planted a garden knows good soil only becomes good soil when the farmer himself gets in with his hands and the plow Mm -hmm. and tills the ground, mm -hmm. maybe adds fertilizer to the ground. It's good soil because the farmer has already made it good soil. Right. If you don't pull the rocks out yourself, it's not good soil. If you don't pluck the thistles and the thorns yourself, it's not good soil. Mm -hmm. If you, if it lands on the road, it's not good soil. It's going to get trampled underfoot, and birds are going to eat it. Right. I have chickens 
Yeah. I was trying. There were some places where our grass was dead. I tried to plant seeds there. I didn't rough it up. I didn't water it. I didn't do anything. And our chickens came in and ate every grass seed. (laughs) So because I didn't make the soil ready for the seeds, Mm -hmm. the birds came and ate it. Right. All right. So I want to get into a couple more passages and kind of speed this up because i mean i think we're getting comfortable doing this yeah which makes us a little more uh elongated in our verbiage long-winded long-winded that's right so our next passage is going to be i did not look at my notes second peter two one through two and second peter two says but false teachers uh wow but false Prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who brought who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. So we haven't dealt with this one mm-hmm. in another in another podcast, but I don't know if this one would go here as much as limited atonement. But still, it's here and we have to deal with it. What would you say the false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false prophet, false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies? I think that describes itself. False prophets, mm-hmm. false teachers. Right. I, I don't think that's an argument that can be made that they were Christians. Because it says right there, mm-hmm. they're false teachers. Right. People like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to name some names. People yeah. like Kenneth Copeland, people mm-hmm. like Joel Osteen mm-hmm. aren't Christians because they're false teachers. Right. A Christian might say something that's not true, mm-hmm. um, but that doesn't make them a false teacher. Right. Contrary to popular belief, just because they say something that you disagree with, right. or even something that was wrong, that doesn't make them a false teacher. R.C. R. Sproul baptized infants. Right, right. And I think that's wrong. Mm-hmm. Is he a false teacher because he baptized infants? No. Mm-hmm. Joel Osteen and Kenneth Copeland, on the other hand, aren't Christians. They're false teachers, and they're false teachers because they're not Christians. First mm-hmm. John. Yeah, First John 2, um, verse 18 says, Children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard, that Antichrist is coming. So now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might be become plain that they were they all are not of us. But if, been, but if you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have the knowledge, I write to you, not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. It's it's it's. Is another example of separating the wheat from the chaff. Mm-hmm. God lets false teachers arise, right, to show who the church is. Yes. Or another analogy would be the or parable. Parable analogy. It would be the goats and the sheep. Yeah. God lets goats in with the sheep, and He allows it for His good pleasure, mm-hmm. so that I believe so that the sheep become stronger. And hear their shepherd's voice. Yeah. And the thing about goats and sheep is they look similar. They have the same Mm -hmm. type of eyes. They have, they have a similar muzzle. Mm -hmm. Is it a muzzle on a herbivore? 
I don't. We're going to go with it. Yeah, they have a similar muzzle. They have they have similar hooves, but they're not the same. Mm-hmm. That's why it, so so many people fall for false teachers because they look like a Christian, mm-hmm. but they're a wolf in sheep's clothing. Right. So, and now we go to our favorite passage, which is Romans. Mm. I love Romans. The systematic theology of the New Testament. That's right. Where I think I'm going to start referring to it as that. Because, it, I mean, it's very good. And it pretty much teaches all the theology we need. And um, verse uh, Romans 8.28, as we always start out. Because I believe that um, this verse especially, it, it gets quoted a lot. And everyone, I mean, it makes it sound like, you know, this is all good and Jim Dandy. But it has a context. Never heard that one before. Really? Yeah. I say it often often enough. It says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. Those whom he justified, he also glorified. So we see that Christ is doing these actions of bringing glorification and sanctification. I believe those two words are synonymous. Mm -hmm. That glorification and sanctification, the act of becoming more mature and more godly in your faith. And finally, we get that it, it comes to a climax at the glorification of our earthly bodies mm-hmm. into bodies like Christ's, right. the resurrected body. So let me continue, which with one of my favorite passages in all the Bible. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies, who is to condemn. Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who is raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And I believe this is the perseverance of the saints or preservation of the saints passage. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress? or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor thing present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. If God loved you and gave you eternal life, Mm -hmm. there's a reason why it's called eternal life. It's eternal. Yeah, it's eternal. It's unending. One direction eternal. Yeah. Yes. We're not Mormons. We don't believe in the (laughs) preexistence. No. But... I mean, there is nothing. I mean, Paul runs through two lists. What can separate us from the love of Christ and what he's sure about? Nothing bad can separate us from the love of Christ. Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword, anything that anyone can do to us mm-hmm. cannot separate us from the love of God. But Josh, 
What about stuff that we can do to ourselves? How about this passage? It says, takes it to a more spiritual level. Level, Death nor life, angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation. Anything else. And we all are some creation. Things. Yes. And we're in creation. Right. And we will be able to separate us from the love of God. If God is the one doing the loving, there is nothing that can separate us. His love is unconditional. Because if it was conditional, as, as John MacArthur said once upon a time, if you could lose your salvation, you would. You would. Because that means it's dependent upon you. And I don't know about you, but even in my best days of sanctification and following Christ, I still cannot keep my, like, I'm still not faithful to Christ. I, th I think that's part of the reason why um, the false doctrine of purgatory existed. Because people know. People know that we can't maintain. That's why, right. quote unquote, you have to go to purgatory to burn off those extra sins. Right. So we have a few more passages in Doctrines of Grace. One of my favorite books. And when we're done with that, we might want to be done with the pod. Yeah, for sure. We're getting, we're getting to have a little, little lengthy. To that. Yeah, so I have, they literally give a page of um, verses. I don't know if I'm going to quote all of them. I'll give the reference to all of them that you can look up and talking about persevering of this perseverance of the saints or this book calls it Preserving Grace, which is another good title. I like um, Psalm 30, 34, verse 7. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Jeremiah 31, 3. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Jeremiah 32, 40. I will make an everlasting covenant with them. I will never stop doing good to them, and I will inspire fear. Uh, I will inspire them to fear me, so that they will never turn away from me. Ezekiel 11, 19 through 20. I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will move from their them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. There's also John 5, 24, John 6, 51. Romans eleven twenty nine 29 says, God's gift and his call are irrevocable. 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 9, and also verse 14 you have Hebrews 10, 14 says, By one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Mm. You have 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5, and 1 John 5, 11 through 13. As well as, let me, I have, I, we have John 10, 27 through 30. And then I believe it's even in Romans 6, or not Romans 6, John 6. John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. And I and the Father are one. Mm -hmm. And even John 6 37, all that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. 
For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For it is it is the will of my Father that everyone who looks upon the, uh, looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. It's not that we can't lose our salvation. It's that Christ can't lose us. Yeah, exactly. I think that's the... I think that's the point that we're we have to try to drive in calvinism is that we we get accused a lot of being filled with philosophy and not knowing our bibles but as you've seen we have a lot of scripture mm -hmm. and it's not necessarily take it's not random passages we take out of context i mean we've seen through romans 8 and 9 just two chapters in a row on a book of theology that salvation is of the Lord. And I think that's the main point that we need to drive home mm -hmm. is that it's God that does the work and we can't, if it was dependent upon us, we'd fail every time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to, again, read my favorite passage, Romans eight. Um, just the last part that telling us that, you know, we can't, yeah, take Blues. us home, Josh. Yeah, so as it is written, I want to stop for this part. For your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Us as Christians need to realize that there are brothers and sisters around the world that are being persecuted. Mm -hmm. And their only hope is this next part. Yeah. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. If Christ is your Lord, nothing can separate you from him. Well, thank you for listening. And... Uh, Semper Christus, pursue Christ. Amen.